So Acts 16 from verse 22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptised. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Well, thank you, Yvonne. Friends, this is really a fabulous night, a night where we get to come together to see Uh, Someone be baptised before us. We've been doing this all day and it's been a great joy. You're here for a great night. Uh, But I want to let you know that um, this is our first ever Baptism Sunday that we've run here at Norwest. We've never done this before. We have baptised people here for years, infants in our services, uh, but adults we used to baptise at our Welcome Home service, which would run during the week on a uh, weeknight. But we've never done this. We've never stopped everything to slow down and to celebrate God bringing the amazing gift of life and forgiveness and grace to his people. So why the change? Well, put simply, because we believe that there is actually nothing greater for God's people to do than to gather and to stop and to celebrate God bringing people from darkness to light. That's something that as a church, we should all witness together and see and celebrate Because it's something that reminds us that God is still at work in our world. And sometimes it's hard to believe that, actually. Tonight reminds us that God is still at work in our midst, bringing life and forgiveness and hope to those who come to trust in Him. Now, this morning, we had our kids all in and our youth in at 4.30. And I want to say that that was deliberate, but it wasn't. We actually just got the calendar wrong and it ended up falling in school holidays. So the kids were accidentally in. However... In God's sovereignty, it was absolutely what we should have planned. And moving forward, that is exactly how it will work. Because here's why. We think it's crucial for all of God's family, regardless of the age, to witness the power of God at work in someone's life. We want to hear and share stories of our God working in our midst, amongst us. And we want our adults and our kids to see that. 
I trust that what you see tonight is that there is no greater encouragement for God's people than seeing someone else stand up and say, I used to ignore God. I used to live my own way. But I've repented of that and I've turned back to him in faith. Because to see God change someone's heart and mind and life and eternity is actually a remarkable reminder of who our God is and what our God does. I said we used to do this midweek on a weeknight, but here's the thing. One of the beautiful aspects of baptism is the very public nature of it. It's a public declaration of someone's reorientation back to Jesus. And so the best place to be baptised is before the household of God's people, your church family. Why? Because it's in this place that together we are fed by God's word, we are encouraged by one another, and it's in this place that we actually hold one another to account as we need to, where others love us enough that they might raise with us when we've taken our eyes off Jesus. You see, just like marriage, public promises invite public encouragement and public accountability. And so we want to baptise our people on a Sunday because we all want to witness this wonderful moment in people's lives as God's people together. Just to let you know, tonight's going to be a bit messy around the edges. I don't cope well with that generally. I get a bit, I don't know, itchy. But it is the sort of mess that we love here at Norwest. And so I want to let you know that tonight... Sorry, today and um, including tonight, before us all here at Norwest, we have had Isabel, Lily, Leon, Phoebe, Olivia, Lucy, Jane, Henry, Peggy, Amari, Janine, Amelia, Carson, William, Yang, Wen, Jackson, Derek, Seb, Veluven. And now Alina, stand before us, make promises to us and publicly commit themselves to following the Lord Jesus all their days. Norwest, what a joy. There's nothing better. Now, if you're a regular here, you'll know that for the last term, we've been walking through the book of Acts together. And one of the things that we've been seeing in Acts is these little snapshots, these little Uh, photos, if you like, of what happens to a person when they come to trust in the Lord Jesus. And tonight we've got one more of them for us. And it was read to us before. It's from Acts chapter 16. What we have in Acts 16 is this. Paul and Silas have just been thrown in prison because they've committed a heinous crime. What was their crime? Well, they've brought freedom and hope to a young girl who was enslaved by men And possessed by a demon. Well, where's the crime? Well, what Paul and Silas have done is they have robbed the owners of that young girl of their capacity to use her, abuse her, and monetize her. And so Paul and Silas are jailed on trumped up charges. You can just read Acts 16, that's all there for you to see for yourself. But then we read that at midnight there's an earthquake. And the doors to the prison fly open and the chains pop off the wrists of the prisoners. It's clearly a miracle. God is at work looking after his people. We then read that the jailer wakes up, sees what's happened, the doors are open and he's about to kill himself. Why is he going to do that? 
It's because even though there's an earthquake, he will be held personally responsible for the prisoners escaping and the punishment is death. So in Acts 16, we have a picture of a jailer with a death sentence hanging over his head. He's about to kill himself and we pick up the story in verse 28. Listen to this. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, wonder how many other times he'd referred to his prisoners as sir. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul and Silas replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and his family were baptised. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he'd come to believe in God, he and his whole family. Friends, I just want to make two comments from this great little story. Here's the first. The most important question that any person in the world can ever ask is asked by the Philippian jailer in this story. He asks, what must I do to be saved? Now, this is the most important question in the world because it is a question that acknowledges two things. Firstly, that we all need to be saved. That's disputed by most. But secondly, the question admits our own deep inability to save ourselves. And today at Norwest, we've had 21 people who have stood before us all across the day because they have come to a point where they've asked that question, what must I do to be saved? Paul and Silas then give the answer to that question. They say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. It's amazing, isn't it? Like the, It's the easiest thing in the world to be saved by God, to be saved from sin. Why? Because all you have to do is believe in Jesus. Trust that he is God. Trust that he died in your place and on your behalf on the cross to turn aside the anger of God that was uh, due to us because of our sin. It's so simple. Just have faith in Jesus. But as easy as it seems, Chapel Lane, you also know that to have faith in Jesus is also the hardest thing in the world. Why? Because we hate to acknowledge we can't save ourselves. We are people who are absolutely caught up in self-saving. We have grown up on a diet of self-saving. We spend our whole lives doing everything for ourselves. We are self-made people. So surely I can work out this little thing between God and me. Surely I can save myself. About 20 years ago now, I remember I went to visit a friend, a family friend. He was the father of, of a family friend of ours. And it was well before I was a minister. I went to visit him in hospital because he was dying. He was not going to leave the hospital and he didn't. And I was in his room with about five members of his family. 
And then a minister walked into the room and said, I'm here to see David. But the man who was dying in the bed, our friend, his name was Michael. The minister had got the wrong room. And as he left the room, the family burst into laughter, saying to one another, as if you would want to see a minister at a time like this. And I was thinking, you really want to see a minister. Or if not a minister, at least someone who knows Jesus at a time like this. It is the hardest thing in the world to be saved by God, for none of us want to admit that we will do it or can do it ourselves. And that's what Peter and Silas say to this jailer. They say to him, you can't do it. You you just can't. You've got to stop believing in yourself. You've got to start believing in Jesus. And can I say that in our self-obsessed, self-determined, self-centred eye culture, that will not win you any friends. What the world will say to you and what you hear all the time is, no, no, you need to love yourself more. You need to back yourself more. You need to believe in yourself more. But there's been 21 people here today who have said, no, we don't believe in ourselves. We trust in Jesus. We put our faith in Jesus, not ourselves. One more point I want to make. It is a brief one. It's verse 34. So what we read in 34, we've got this Philippian jailer, an hour earlier, about to commit suicide. Now, who is this bloke? He's a hard, brutal ex-soldier of a man who now starts coming in and serving food to his prisoners. And we read why that happens. In 34, we read, he was filled with joy because he'd come to believe in God. He and his whole family. You know, when you come to start to trust in Jesus, when you come to that place where you stop trusting in yourself, you actually stumble across a whole bunch of new things, things you haven't known before. Things such as the forgiveness of sin. It's amazing. Things such as a new family who you start to do life with. It's called God's people, the household of God or the church. Things such as a peace in your heart that is difficult to explain. But when you come to trust in Jesus, there is another thing you find. It's joy. Joy. Our world is in short supply of joy right now. What's joy? It's that deep sense of pleasure and comfort that circumstances cannot touch. Now that jailer found joy Because he had come to believe in God, we read. And 21 people here today now know of that joy as well. Now, to be clear, this does not mean that life gets easier. It does not mean that pain, that life is pain-free. It just means that God blesses his people with a quiet delight that the storms of life cannot extinguish. A deep sense of pleasure and satisfaction knowing that no matter what is going on in life, relationships or whatever it might be, our Heavenly Father has us. His Son Jesus died for us and His Holy Spirit lives within us. And today, brothers and sisters, we share that joy together. Today we have been celebrating the kindness and mercy of God in calling people to Himself out of darkness and into His wonderful light. 
And the 21 people across our church today have reminded us all and all day about how God has made us for so much more than the mediocrity we have come to accept as normal. Brothers and sisters, it is so good to have you here. May each of you be reminded of God's amazing grace to us tonight.